John chapter 10. I'll be honest, I had a lack of faith. I didn't think all these people would be here, so I probably ran out of outlines. <laughs> That's what I mean. It happens from time to time. So uh, hopefully you get one. If not, well, better luck next time, right? Amen. Amen. All right. So <laughs> Gospel of John, we'll go to a quick background. Um, so the Gospel of John, John uh, A, not John B. Remember, John B is John the Baptist. John A is John the Apostle. Uh, wrote this gospel, and it's, it's vastly different from what we call the synoptic gospels, where there's a lot of similar stories in uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But John's gospel, he writes, and he tells us in John 20 that I've written these things that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So it's evangelistic in nature. And so he points to the fact that Jesus is God. Amen? That Jesus is the invisible God made visible. He's the express image of the Father. He told Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So that means we can have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so John writes that, and he shows two, two ways on how Jesus is God. One, by all the miracles, the signs that Jesus does. And then two, by what we call the I am statements. And so in this chapter, we're going to see a continuation of uh, John chapter nine. If you guys remember, I don't even know how long ago it was, but weeks ago, uh, we we're in John chapter nine where the Pharisees cast out the blind man. And they basically said, look, if you're not gonna renounce that Jesus, then you gotta get up out of here, right? And they cast him out. They kicked him out of the synagogue and then uh, Jesus found him and he believed on Jesus and became his disciple. So this is actually a continuation into that. And we're gonna see an imagery about how our relationship is. And so the Bible gives several different pictures of that. One of them is between a shepherd and a sheep. And that's why I tell the message, the Lord is my shepherd. So the word sheep is used over 140 times in the Old Testament alone. If those of you who are familiar with sheep, they're dumb, right? Sorry, they're dumb. Typically in, in the story, guess who's the sheep? <laughs> You're truly, right? So they're, they're dumb, they have poor depth perception, they need to be led or they will die, right? And so this is the imagery that Jesus uses of our relationship with him, that we are the sheep and he is the good, great and mighty shepherd. The word shepherd is used over 30 times in the Old Testament. And so in this chapter, shepherd and sheep are used as a picture of our relationship with Jesus once we are saved. We are sheep and he is our shepherd. Other pictures of our relationship with Jesus are the branch and the vine, the head and the body, the cornerstone and the building, and then the husband and the wife. What's interesting about all these pictures is they're all a picture of total reliance and dependence on the other. And it's the same thing with our relationship with the Lord. So some of, the, some of the seven I am statements, those of you may know, I'm just going to act like you guys don't know. So I'll give it to you again, right? One, he says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. We'll see both of those today. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. The gospel writer John includes all these because if you guys remember the Old Testament, I am was the name for Jehovah God. And it means that I've always existed. I am the eternal God, the God who was and is and is to come. And we see that all in the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so let's get into the work. John chapter 10, first point, Jesus as the true shepherd. Jesus as the true shepherd. Verse one in our Bibles, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same 
is a, sh- is a thief and a robber. But he who enters the door is the shepherd of the sheep. And like the NLT version says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. So here's this picture that he's saying as he continues from John chapter nine. So just to give you guys a quick background for, for understanding. So John chapter nine, the blind man did not receive the Pharisees, obviously. Praise God for that, right? And they cast him out of the synagogue for confessing Jesus as Lord. And so now as he come over here, Jesus gives this imagery of the sheep and the shepherd and a sheepfold. And so when he says, most assuredly, you guys hear Jesus say that, most assuredly, truly, truly, it means amen, amen. So this phrase alone is used 25 times in the gospel of John, and it means faithful, an expression of absolute truth or confidence. So whenever there's red letters, you should listen up regardless, right? Because that Jesus is speaking. But when he says most assuredly or truly, truly, he's speaking of most absolute truth when you see that in scripture. Now, when he talks about a sheepfold, uh, the nation of Israel is very, very familiar with those terms because a lot of them were, were shepherds. And so they truly understand that. What I love the mo- most about this is Jesus is very, very intentional. If you guys remember when he stood in the temple and said, I am the light of the world. Well, he did that right at the opportune time because that just happened to be in the middle of the Feast of Tabernacles, the Feast of Lights. So as this feast is going on, Jesus is fulfilling it and saying, basically, it's it's really pointing to me. I'm actually the light of the world. And so many believe right now when he talks about the sheepfold that he's on the eastern side of the temple, right where there was what they call a sheep gate where they would keep the sheep that would be sacrificed. And he's saying and talking this imagery. So the sheepfold, Middle Eastern sheepfold was a stone wall about 10 feet high with an opening which served as a door, but there wasn't actually a physical door there. The shepherds would turn in their sheep at night, usually during wintertime, and entrust them to a porter or a hireling to keep watch over them. So the shepherds, when it gets cold, if it was warm, obviously they would keep them out in the, in the pastures. But when it got cold, they turned them into the sheepfold and there'd be maybe 15, 20 shepherds and they would turn all hundreds of sheep into the sheepfold and then they would go sleep and they'd have a person watching over the sheep at night. And so Jesus is saying true shepherds of the sheep come through the legal way to get their sheep. They don't climb a wall or use deception to access the sheepfold. And so here's, here's the imagery and what he's really saying. The sheepfold represents the nation of Israel. The sheepfold represents Judaism. And so what he's telling us is that the thief and the robber tried to access the sheep by climbing over the wall and the sheep does not, do not hear them. And so Jesus image paints here the picture of the Old Testament idea of the Lord being the true shepherd. For context, Psalms 103, it says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Most of us, when we think of sheep and shepherd, we think of Psalm 23, right? King David, where he says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. And he goes on to that wonderful Psalm. And Jesus tells that he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door is a thief and a robber. So he makes a distinction. A thief is an embezzler known as the false teachers. They take what doesn't belong to them. A robber is a freebooter or a plunderer, and then he uses violence 
to take what he wants. The same word is used in Matthew 21, 13, when he says, you turn my father's house into a den of thieves. So here's what religion does, because the Pharisees, they were supposed to be the guardians of the, of the, the um, Jewish faith. And they, they got caught up in religion. They got caught up in rules and rituals and regulations. And as you guys know, that wears you out. Religion wears you out. But Jesus gives us rest. And so there's a contrast here of religion and freedom in Christ. Amen? So Jesus uses the terms to illustrate the false teaching of the Pharisees. The Pharisees were climbing up, rising up into the sheepfold to steal the true sheep. Jesus calls them out because he's a true shepherd and he cares for the sheep. A false shepherd drives them from behind, which represented the Pharisees. The Pharisees didn't care about the blind man. You guys remember they ridiculed him, they made fun of him, and then they cast him out when they couldn't get anything from him. And that's what religion and false teaching does. It says, what can I get from you, not what can I do for you? It's a pretty big contrast between the Lord Jesus, what he gives, and the false, all the false religions of the world. Verse 2, when he says, he who enters by the door is the, is the shepherd of the sheep. Thieves and robbers climb over. The true shepherd enters through the door. I don't know about you. I've never seen robbers coming through the front door unless you gave them the key. You shouldn't have done that if you did, right? <laughs> they they got they, they to hop in through a window. They got to find another way because they know they're wrong and they don't have access to what's inside your house. And a, and a, a thief and a robber and predators, they don't enter in through the door. They try to climb over to access the sheep. That represented the Pharisees. Now, Jesus says the true shepherd enters the fold of the sheep by the entrance because he has nothing to hide. Today, an asset test for a true shepherd is how they line up with the word of God about what shepherds say. God's grace, we see in scripture, it says that for a pastor, we see 1 Timothy 3. That's the lineup, character. You guys don't have to go there now, but that's something we could look at. In today's church, Paul outlined the requirements in 1 Timothy 3 in the book of Titus. Most of it is centered around godly character to be a servant, and one who cannot serve should not lead, right? The door here, metaphorically speaking of legally, is that Jesus Christ came in through all the Old Testament prophecies. Jesus Christ came in through fulfilling the law. An example for context for you note takers. Galatians 4, 6 says, but when the fullness of time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. For those of you who don't know, the Latin word for shepherd is pastor. We're, we're shepherds. We're under shepherds, right? And we're here to care for you. If you guys remember when Jesus restored Peter, he, what did he tell him? Who remembers? Feed my sheep, tend to my lambs, feed my sheep. We're here to serve you guys, not to be served. The Bible says that Jesus Christ came to minister, not to be ministered to, right? And that's the heart of a true shepherd in contrast with the religious leaders. You think about that? Jesus' biggest opponents was religion, just think about that. It wasn't the thieves. It wasn't the whoremongers. It wasn't the drug dealers. It was the religious because the religious tried to build a ladder up to God. Like in Genesis, when they tried to build a ladder, I think it was a tower of Babel, right? Yeah. We're going to get together. We're going to make a ladder all the way to the Lord. That's religion at its finest. Every single religion that's ever been created has built a ladder or tried to build a ladder to God. The finite trying to reach the infinite, impossible right? Impossible. Ask Martin Luther. He tried. Those of you who know the history on that. So shepherd in the Near East, uh, 
The shepherd was responsible for watching out for the enemies trying to attack the sheep, defeating the sheep from attackers, healing the wounded and the sick sheep, finding and saving lost or trapped sheep, loving them and sharing their lives with them and earning their trust. Shepherds even at times would break the legs of the sheep, the ones that would constantly go astray, God discipline, right? And then put them on their back and carry them until, until their legs healed because they kept going astray, right? Sometimes God needs to break our legs too, right? When we keep going astray, but that's God's love and discipline. Speaking of shepherds, the Old Testament, for you note takers, Jeremiah 3.15, he says, and I will give you shepherds according to my heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. Our Lord Jesus stands alone from any other prophet. He fulfills all the Old Testament prophecies about the Messiah. We must examine the Lord Jesus with the words of scripture. We must line up any other self-proclaimed prophet or religion or system with what the word of God says. He says, the one who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. That door, metaphorically, like I said before, is the Old Testament prophecies. There's no other person in all of history that can meet the qualifications. Who in here can decide where they're born? Anybody? No. Who in here can decide how they're born? No, nobody? No, nobody meets that qualification? Because Jesus is the only one. Or you outline, Jesus is the only one qualified to be Savior. John 14, 6, he makes an exclusive claim. I am the way the truth, and the life. And no one, nobody, gets to the Father but by me. Acts 4 and 12, for there is salvation and no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. These are exclusive claims. Yes, the way is narrow. I'm glad because if there's more, I would be confused, all right? <laughs> I would be super confused. <laughs> Verse three, he says, to him the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. So remember, if, you, if we have the imagery of the, the imagery of the sheepfold, it was this 10 foot stone wall. It was big. They would go in, but there wasn't an actual door. So if you can imagine those two doors, imagine them off. They would have the porter or the doorkeeper, typically a hireling, someone they would pay. And he would basically sleep there and lay down as the door, right? And so when the shepherds would come the next day to get their sheep, the porter or the doorkeeper would know who's a shepherd and who's not. So he would let the shepherds in and then he would have them call each and every one of their sheep by name. So I know some of us here can, can relate. How many of you guys have pets? <laughs> and so you guys, pets have names and you guys have distinctive ways you talk to your pets, right? You guys don't use regular ways. You say, come here, right? Come here. They wait at the hotel, right? They're happy. But you know, you know them by name because you have a relationship with them. You know them and you care for them. And so Jesus is using this imagery about the doorkeeper. Now, metaphorically, we believe this doorkeeper. There's several interpretations we believe the doorkeeper is John the Baptist because he pointed and let the whole nation of Israel, pretty much put nation of Israel on notice. This is the Messiah. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And so John the Baptist is the one that says, no, wait, you're the true shepherd. And remember what he say to the Pharisees? You brood of vipers. He didn't say they were the Messiah. He said, you brood of vipers who warns you of the wrath to flee. Therefore, make sure fruits of repentance before you come in, right? And so we believe, I believe, it's John the Baptist. But some other interpretations believe 
It can be the Old Testament prophets or the doorkeepers because they were constantly uh, prophesying about the Messiah to come. And then some believe it's the Holy Spirit because realistically, it's the Holy Spirit that tells us about Jesus, that reveals Jesus to each and every one of us. Now, all these interpretations may be true, but I believe in context, it's speaking of John the Baptist as a person who identifies that's the Messiah. Go ahead and get the, get, get the sheep out of here. Get them out of the fold of Judaism and bring them to the pastures of everlasting life and salvation. All right? When it says the sheep hear his voice, that means to understand, comprehend. It's synonymous with listening attentively for the purpose of obeying the one in authority. See, because of the relationship the sheep have with the shepherd, they are attentive to the shepherd's voice for the purpose of obeying. Like I talked about our pets. There's a, and again, I don't know how true this story is. I'm just, I just heard it. So I thought it was pretty interesting. So there's a story of two shepherds in which one claimed that another one had stolen their sheep. And so they took it to court and the judge is kind of like, okay, well, you, stay, you said that she stole your sheep. I, I really don't have a way to prove that. Put the witnesses on the stand. So he says, finally, let's call the sheep to the stand, right? So they go, they put the sheep on the stand and they tell each shepherd, step outside the courtroom and call the sheep. And so the first person, the one who claimed that his sheep were stolen, he called the name of the sheep and the sheep just put its head down and didn't respond. He said, okay, you come, you call the sheep's name. And the shepherd called the sheep's name. The sheep basically stood attentive and went to the shepherd. He said, okay, boom, you're the shepherd. And that's the bottom line. The sheep always know the shepherd's voice. Do you guys know every single one of you here right now because you are one of his sheep? Because you hear his voice and you know him, even if you're struggling, even if you're, you're not in the best place in your walk, you are here, not because you just thought it was a good idea. Sorry, I know you want to take credit, but <laughs> the voice of the Lord has been calling you guys to come learn of him, to sit at his feet, to grow in grace and knowledge of the Savior. And that's why you guys are here right now. We are sheep. We're not smart enough to think of this. We're dumb, right? But the shepherd knows us and he calls us by name and we hear. See, a sheep learns to trust and obey the shepherd from spending time with the shepherd. The shepherd would feed the sheep, protect the sheep, lead the sheep, make the sheep lie down in green pastures. You guys know this is one of the evidences of being a follower of Jesus. Do you hear his voice over all the other ones? I heard a saying where it says, sometimes it's hard to hear the truth because the lie talks real loud. The lies yell, but the sheep speaks that small voice. And the shepherd speaks a small voice. And if you truly are a sheep, you'll hear that voice over the loud speaking lies. Do we listen attentively for the shepherd's call in our life? How do we know it's the Lord? Just how the sheep know it's the shepherd. Spend time with him, delight in him. Amen. This is because of the relationship. You're going to hear that a lot today. I know when I first, you guys know my story. I'm Mormonism, Catholicism, Lutheran, all that, right? Okay, I came out of the sheepfold of religion, all right? So it was really hard for me when I came out of all that to understand it's a relationship. Because how do I relate to a God I can't see? How do I relate to this person I cannot see? So it was really hard understanding that. But once I grasped this idea that I can know him and he can know me and we can fellowship, when I look at the writers in the epistles, when I look at John, where he says, that which we have seen, that which we have heard, that which we have beheld, that this is, Jesus is a real person. 
We heard his discourses. We spent time with him. We have a relationship with him. When you grasp that and you understand that this is a relationship, changes everything. Game over. See you later, religion. Deuces. Chuck the deuce up. There's nothing better than having a loving relationship with the Lord Jesus. And in this case, we are the sheep. He is the shepherd. In contrast to the false shepherds who cast the blind men out, the shepherd calls the sheep by name, showing that the shepherd has a personal connection with the sheep. The shepherd leads them, providing direction and leadership without driving the sheep. So a hireling, they would drive the sheep from behind because they didn't care about the sheep. They're in it for the money, right? But a shepherd would go before the sheep and then lead them just in case there's any danger, just in case there was something ahead of them. That's what a caring, loving sheep does. And Jehovah's Witness and Mormonism, if you don't keep up their traditions, they kick you out. They don't forgive you. They cast you out. There's, if you guys, when you have time, you, you can look it up all the personal testimonies of people who renounced Mormonism or Jehovah's Witness. They literally were cast out. They, they were ostracized. If they had businesses, they, they weren't allowed to shop there. Their entire lives were ruined because those are hirelings. They don't, they don't care about you guys. They don't care about us. A true shepherd will give his life for the sheep, which we'll see shortly. See, Jesus seeks a relationship. The false shepherds seek partnership. One says, what can I do for you? The other says, what can you do for me? The purpose of Jesus coming was to seek and save that which is lost. Jesus says, the sheep are solely mine. I know them personally. They belong to me and not another. On your outline, it says he knows us by name and calls us to have intimacy with him. You know, Revelation 3.20 says that, behold, he stands at the door and knocks. He doesn't come by force. Only the enemy rules by force. He doesn't force us to do anything. He doesn't force us to be in a place where we don't want to be, right? He loves us enough not to force us to spend eternity in a place where we don't want to go, right? But he loves us enough to provide the opportunity for us to have everlasting life. That's truly a good shepherd. In contrast, this is what Jesus says about the false shepherds of Israel. He calls them blind guides in Matthew 15, 14. He says in Matthew 23, 4, he says, they tie up heavy burdens, hard to bear, and they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with a finger. As I said before, religion wears us out, but Jesus gives us rest. Back in John 6, Jesus says, all that the Father has given to me will come and I will by no means cast them out. But the Pharisees cast out the blind man because he would not worship them. Verse 4, it says, they follow him. That means to attend, to accompany, to be in the same way with, to follow. And this is synonymous to pursue without hostility. For context, John 12, it says, if any serve me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. And if any man follows me, him will my father honor. See, true sheep follow their shepherd. They desire to be obedient based on the nature of the relationship. By God's grace, I'm married to Jennifer, my lovely wife, the most beautiful woman in the universe, my one in eight billion, Okay. And because of the nature of our relationship, there are certain things that I do and there are certain things I'm not going to do. But that's solely based on the nature of our relationship. Well, it's the same thing with us in our relationship with the Lord is that because I have a relationship with the Lord, 
There are certain things I'm not going to do, and there are certain things that I'm delighted to do. Does that make sense? All because of the relationship, not religionship. The two are different. We become sheep by being born again. You know, Jesus told the most religious man in the universe at that time, Nic- Nic- Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. As I said last time, uh, old preacher Whitfield, there's a lady who would watch a sermon and she like af- afterwards got tired. Like, look, all you talk about is being born again. That's all you say. Why don't you say anything else? They said, well, ma'am, because ye must be born again. That is the bottom line. You must be born again, born from above, have the Holy Spirit. So we must ask ourselves, saints, are we his sheep? And is he our shepherd? Who is it that we seek to follow? Whose voice do, do we heed and find comfort in? I was often asked early on my walk, and, and you know, it's a debate for 2,000 years, you know, can one lose their salvation, right? And we can debate on and on. There's tons of scripture. Um, I believe scripture is pretty clear. But I finally came to this conclusion. I said, look, if you're asking, can you lose your salvation? I'm asking, depends on who your shepherd is. Because the Bible says very clearly that Jesus will lose none of his sheep. That all who come to him, he will no wise cast out. And that you have a two-fisted promise that you're in his hand and his hands in the father's hand. And he said, I give them everlasting life and they shall never perish. So the question is always going to be, who's your shepherd? Amen. Does that make sense? It's shown in our obedience, saints. Jesus says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Jesus says, I go before them. On your outline, he always leads the way we can trust him. Let's be honest. It's hard sometimes not to walk in our emotions, right? Am I the only one here? Right? Let's be real. It's hard sometimes to stop and just pray before we act in our emotions. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 3 and 5, to trust in the Lord with all of your heart and to lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. Proverbs also says he who trusts his heart is a fool. Ooh, pretty harsh, right? And it says a fool utters all of their feelings. But we need to be careful on what voice we are following. True sheep know him, they hear his voice, and they follow him. And remember, context. We look at the blind man. He didn't hear the voice of the religious leaders. They told him, this man's a sinner. He does works on the Sabbath day. You better give glory to God. This man's a sinner. You got to remember what he said? If he's a sinner, I don't know. I'm not sure. All I know is I was once blind, and now I see, and the man that did it was Jesus, right? But he did not go towards the Pharisees. Verse 5 and 6 in your Bibles. says, yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. See, the strangers were the Pharisees. The blind men did not heed the Pharisees, but yet proclaimed what Jesus had done, although he was cast out of the fold of Judaism for doing so. Strangers are also false prophets. Anyone who is truly seeking the Lord and his sheep may, may be fooled for some time, but not all the time. So I'm going to give a, a, a true example. You know, I'm just going to put myself on blast. So when I first started reading scriptures, like back in 2013, um, I, was, I'll be, I wasn't really leading my home. I didn't really know how to do that. And so our home was a little bit divided. And so uh, at one level of our home, uh, I love my wife, but she was watching the Kardashians. I'm going to be real, right? <laughs> but on, an, on the next level, I was watching Joyce Meyer. I don't know which one's worse. But, 
I didn't know any better. But I was just reading the scripture. I didn't know any better. No one told me anything. So our house is divided. But I'll tell you this. As I started to read scripture more and more and more, I heard the voice of the Savior. I wasn't watching Joyce anymore, right? I started watching sound doctrine and those who were preaching the word because the truth is, is that a true sheep can be fooled for only a certain amount of time and then eventually they're gonna hear the shepherd's voice, amen? Amen. They're gonna hear the shepherd's voice and that goes for each and every one of us. As we grow in grace and knowledge, we can't stomach false teaching. As we grow in grace and knowledge, we desire the sin, the Bible says, Desire like newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. A stranger will we not follow. So like sheep who will not heed the voice of strangers, we also should not heed the voice of any false teaching, prophets, political leaders. Many are coming in the vehicle of religion or aka positive energy morality, and many such philosophical ideas that are deceiving the masses and they're calling good evil and evil good. Pride month, that's not the voice of the shepherd. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. As sheep of the Lord Jesus, we should crave our shepherd's affection. We should know it and we should be led by it. A false shepherd would seek to manipulate you like Absalom did in the King David era. If you guys remember, he sat at the bottom and was like, hey, I'll hear your issue. He's not gonna hear you up there. He's too busy. I'll hear whatever you need to say. It's a false shepherd. Like Satan did Eve, all the false prophets that were doing it in Corinth. Remember, Satan is the adversary. We're called to resist the devil and he will flee from us. We're called to cast down every vain imagination and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Truth. Verse six, Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke. Something to take on. Six marks of a true and legitimate minister of God in these six verses alone. First, he has a proper entrance into the ministry. This means he understands his calling into the ministry and meets the requirements of 1 Timothy 3. Now, when I came from a former church, I'll be honest, I don't know if there was a single pastor that hadn't been married three or four times there. That's, That's not the way of scripture. Those aren't true shepherds, according to the word of God, right? Now, again, none of us are perfect, right? But there is a standard that's in scripture for a pastor to be behind the pulpit because you're leading people. You're an example. And to whom much is given, much is required. Secondly, he sees the Holy Spirit open his way as a doorkeeper to God's sheep. He's led by the Holy Spirit in all the ministry. You guys have heard Pastor Day say it many times, there's only one celebrity, in Christianity. And his name is Jesus. We do not touch the glory. It all belongs to him. He sees that sheep respond to his voice in teaching and leadership. This is why we teach the word of God and nothing else. You get no philosophy. You get no politics. You get all the word of God. And sadly, some people won't come here because the word of God. It's just, well, it's just the word of God. That's it. It's just the word of God. That's it. What else do you need? Right? All we need is the word of God. It is enough. It is sufficient. Amen. He is well acquainted with the flock. He has a relationship with the flock. We love you guys. We love you guys. We pray for you by name. We love fellowshipping with you guys. I count it an honor to serve before you guys, but a true shepherd has a relationship with his flock. I remember when uh, years ago, and 
ironically, the church was called the door. Hmm. And the pastor, as soon as he was done preaching, you can see the smoke behind his, by his feet. And we passed by, and he's counting the money like Floyd Money Mayweather in the back. Doesn't care about the sheep. That's not a true shepherd. That's not a true shepherd. But you see, a lot of pastors these days, they don't talk to the flock. They don't know them. They don't care about them. And those aren't true shepherds that we should follow. Amen? Amen. Lastly, he goes, uh, he leaves the flock and does not drive them or lord it over them. Doesn't abuse his power. Look, we're not beating you guys over the head for money. This is God's, this is God's house, right? The Bible says the Lord is a cheerful giver. That's why we don't pass around an offering. That doesn't mean that's wrong, but we trust that the Lord will provide. We just teach God's word and then we love you guys. In the Bible, the word of God does the rest. Lastly, he goes before the sheep as an example. And I'll say this, I count it a blessing to serve with Pastor Doug, Pastor Mark, Pastor Dave, and Pastor Tim. These are some mighty godly men. I feel like I'm playing catch up, but I count it a blessing because none of these guys are after their own glory. I've spent time with them. I've been at their houses. I've been with them around their wives. These are just men that just love Jesus and want to serve. And I count it a privilege and a blessing to serve with them all. All right. All right. Point number two. Jesus as the good shepherd. I'll do uh, one in review. So Jesus as the true shepherd. He's the only one qualified to be the savior. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, not Joseph Smith, not the dead saints. None of them are qualified and all of them are dead. He knows us by name and calls us to have intimacy with him. I encourage everyone here, spend more time with the Lord. I often uh, joke around my kids. I say, you know, when they're always on their, their electronics and back and forth, I'm like, did you talk to the Lord today? Well, yeah, well, what'd you say to him? Oh, I'm not sure. I don't know if that's a relationship or not, right? But, but here's the bottom line. It's true. Whatever you don't value, you minimize. And so if you don't value your relationship with the Lord, then guess what your daily timetable looks like? No time for the Lord. I think I might pencil them in somewhere. I'm not sure. Maybe at the end of the day before my Wheaties and dinner time, bedtime. That's not a relationship. Sorry. I know, I know it's suffering, but I encourage you guys. He wants to have intimacy with us. And of course, he always leads the way. We need to pray that he would order our steps. Okay, second point. Jesus as the good shepherd. And so here we're going to see a contrast between shepherds and what we call hirelings. Hirelings are people that are paid. And it doesn't mean it's wrong to be paid. But it means that's that all they care about. They just care about getting my money and that's it. And, and this is more of a business rather than a relationship. And so we're going to see contrast. Verse 7 in your Bibles. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now before, you got to look at this carefully. Before, he says, he who enters by the door. So at that point, Jesus was saying, I'm the shepherd. I'm, I'm coming in by the door. At that point, the door into Judaism, the door into the nation of Israel to be able to access the sheep. Because Old Testament, the sheep were ones who led the people. Of, I mean, the shepherds were one who led the people of God. Now he transitions to another imagery of sheep. And he says, I am the door of the sheep. So now Jesus is the imagery. He is the one who's laying down by the entrance of the fold. And the only way the sheep can come out is through Jesus. Out of what? Out of Judaism. You guys know Judaism was a wonderful plan, but Judaism, through Judaism does not come salvation. You guys know that, right? There's, there's no, you can't be saved through religion. You can only be saved through Jesus. And so it was a great system because it pointed people to Jesus and it pointed people to their need for the Messiah. And the Bible says they were kept under that tutor until faith came 
right? Galatians 3 tells us that. So Jesus says, now I am the door. And what that means, I am the way out of the present sheepfold. In this case, which I said was Judaism. In our day, any religious system or faulty belief whom the son sets free is free indeed. So guess what? Jesus, if you're an atheist, Jesus is the way out of atheism. If you're in, if you're in Catholicism and you're worshiping dead saints, well, Jesus is the way out of worshiping dead saints. If you are in Mormonism, Jehovah's Witness, Hindu, whatever it may be, that is that sheepfold. You're in bondage. Jesus is the door out of that. Does that make sense? This is the imagery that he is using. Jesus is the door to our salvation. Hirelings are thieves and robbers, false prophets, and false religion. Ancient Israel, the shepherds would sometimes lay down by the entrance of the sheepfold. The shepherds would then actually be the door or exit to the sheep. No one could enter into the sheepfold, but through the permission of the shepherd. And this is what Jesus is saying. When he says, I am, another I am statement, I eternally am. This is now the third I am statement of Jesus. The sheep cannot exit the fold without Jesus' authority. In the same way, Jesus is the door out of all religious systems into the safety of God's flock. So if you look at the transition, they go from being in a fold to becoming part of the flock. A fold is just a holding cell. And that's all religion is. It's a holding cell. It's, it's bondage. It's, it wears you down. And I think we all have had our fair share of that. It's through Christ that we are reconciled to God. It's through the precious blood of Christ that we go from being enemies to friends, from being lost to found, translated out of the kingdom of darkness into his marvelous light. This is why Jesus said, no man can come to the Father but by me. I remember when I, um, and I still do, I teach at the women's shelter in, in, in Oxnard. And I had this one lady who was a diehard Catholic still. And every single time I taught, she was challenging me. Well, no, you got to be baptized. No, you got to pray to the saints. Nope, you got to do that. And ironically, I happened to be in John 10 as we're going through the scriptures. And I said, if you go any other way, you're a thief and a robber. And I specifically said, if you go through the way of the dead saints, if you go through the way of Mary, if you go through the climb over the wall of Jehovah's Witness, and I, I named them all. She got mad. So how dare you say that? And I constantly just every week kept same thing, the truth to the one who does not work, but believes in the one who justifies the ungodly, their faith is counted righteousness. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And then one day she didn't challenge me anymore. I thought something was wrong with her. And so when I, when I, I said a, a truth very similar to that, and I looked over, I'm like, you good? She's like, no, I'm, I'm actually understanding the simplicity of the gospel now is that it's not of works lest any man should boast. I'm like, thank God. <laughs> I was getting discouraged for a while. I'm like, how long am I have to continue to beat this woman down with truth, right? But again, it's just the simplicity that's in the gospel is that false shepherds want to complicate the truth because they want to boast in the conversion. And what happens is religion sets up a wall between God and man. And it's a wedge and it prevents us from having a relationship but it's just the simplicity that's in Christ. Verse eight, Jesus says, all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. In context, he's not speaking about Old Testament because he says, 
They are, all who came before me, they are thieves and robbers, all the false shepherds and religious leaders of Jesus' day. He says they are, not they were, meaning they're presently still there. The blind man in John 9 did not heed the religious thieves and robbers. Look, there's nothing new under the sun. Unfortunately, the Pharisees were just like their forefathers. Let me give you guys some examples for context. Jeremiah 23 and 1, here's what the prophet says. Woe to you shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Ezekiel 34 and 2. Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Prophesy and tell them that this is what the Lord God says. Woe to the shepherds of Israel who only feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed their flock? Lastly, Zechariah eleven seventeen. Woe to the worthless shepherd who deserts the flock. May a sword strike his arm and his right eye. May his arm be completely withered at his right eye, utterly blinded. See, ultimately, Jesus is that great shepherd, but he sets up under shepherds for the taking care of the sheep. The main thief and robber today is Satan and the worldly systems. They're contrary to everything that scripture teaches. The world says we can do and be anything except Christians. Christians are wrong for standing up for what they believe because what they believe confronts people in their sin. Jesus said, this is the condemnation. That light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. This is why Jesus' name is a curse word more than any other name. You don't see anybody throwing up Joseph Smith, Charles Taze Russell, Mary Baker Eddy. You don't see any of those names being used as curse words. Jesus said, the world cannot hate you, but it hated me first because I testify of their works that they're evil. The gospel is offensive. That's why you need to be kind because it doesn't need your help. It's offensive enough, right? <laughs> Amen. Gospel tells people they're sinners in need of a savior. Tells them their lifestyle is contrary to a holy God and repentance is necessary to be reconciled. It says that fornication is wrong and shacking up is wrong. Teaches them that there's only one way to heaven and that is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. See, with self-indulgence, pride, homosexuality, gender confusion, drugs and alcohol, political idolatry, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, and much, much more are thieves and robbers of our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to take heed. You know, Paul said, them who think they stand, take heed lest you fall. We're all in danger of falling to something of this nature. Saint Satan's objective on your outline is to destroy our relationship with Jesus. And he has multiple tools and tactics. One of the main ones today is pornography, right? I call it video heroin because it entices your brain to believe the lie. And then it becomes a stronghold we call strongholds. And stronghold is an incorrect belief system that eventually manifests in your behavior. That's why we say belief and behavior, they're married to one another, right? You can't separate the two. Well, I believe this. Well, how are you acting? Then you don't believe that. And so what happens is we don't guard our minds. What are you watching? What are you listening to? What are you entertaining, right? The scripture says the eye is the window to the soul. We must guard our hearts. Proverbs tells us to guard your heart above all things for out of it are the issues of life. We're not ignorant to Satan's devices. We need to take heed. Depression, anxiety, 
I think all of us struggle with this one, prayerlessness. The Bible says we need to abide in prayer so we don't abide in temptation. That's my paraphrase. But as you're tempted without ceasing, we should be praying without ceasing. Amen? Verse 9, he says, I am the door. So before he says, I am the door of the sheep, now he's saying, I am the door, the distinction. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal, to kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So in context, Jesus uses, the, this is the third time he uses the reference, the door in the passage. So the first one is the door into the sheepfold of Judaism. He's the only one qualified to access the sheep. The second usage of the door is the one that leads people out of their present religious fold. This third one is a door into salvation. It's exclusive. It doesn't say of, it doesn't say a, it says the, I am the door. And if anyone enters by me, Jesus goes on further to say that the only way to salvation is through the entryway, the door of the sheepfold. For there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. He is the only way. He is the only truth. Shepherds would lead their sheep in and out into green pastures, steal waters, and restore their soul. Jesus is the way to the blessings of salvation. So when we look at this phrase that will go in and out, we, it doesn't speak of heaven because you know when you're in heaven, you're not going in and out. You're there, you're secure, you're on Hallelujah Avenue, you're, you're enjoying the blessings of being with the Lord Jesus. Um, th that's not what he's speaking about, but it's speaking about the liberty that we have in Christ in a relationship. See, religion, again, it binds us down. Rules, regulations, rituals. I like to say religion has the two E's of religion, expose and enslave. What does it expose? Your inability to keep it. Anybody try to just keep two commandments? Love the Lord thy God, love your neighbor. Who's successful? Get good. I'm going to thought you raise your hand. Amen. Bold. <laughs> I was like, Dave, Brandon's bold. <laughs> but we can't keep these rules and regulations, and they weren't given us to keep, just to show us we need someone to keep them for us. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ. But Jesus, this is speaking of the liberty we have in Christ. Let me give you guys an example for context. Deuteronomy 28 and 6, it says, Blessed shall you be when you come in, and blessed you will be when you go out. Jesus claimed a deity being the mighty God, the shepherd, and the bishop of our souls. So when Jesus simply says, I am, that means no one else can be. And so we have to ask each and every one of you in here, who is the I am? Is it Jesus in your life? Some of us will say that, but then when we do an inventory, it's other people other things, hobbies, spouse, children, right? Jesus says, if anyone comes after me and does not, and loves mother, father, son, daughter, or even his own life more than me, it's not worthy of me. See, Jesus demands full allegiance and he deserves it. Amen. He deserves it. So I encourage you guys, place our full allegiance and affection on him. This is not the door of Joseph Smith, Charles Taze Russell, Buddha, Islam, or any other false created self-appointed religion. The thief, to steal your joy, kill your faith, and destroy your peace. Figuratively, speaking about the false teachers, 
who do not care for the sheep, but abuse their position for ungodly gain. This is one of the perils of the religious system. You guys remember Judas? Love money. Scripture says in 1 Peter 5 and 8, and I encourage you guys on this one, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, is roaring around like a prowling lion seeking whom he can devour. Those of you who watch Animal Planet, if you look at the, 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 the lions, they're, they're slow, they're getting low, they're prowling, and the gazelle is what? Grubbing. Grubbing on the grass has no idea that a lion is getting ready to pounce on them. That imagery is the Christian who does not pray, who is not meditating on the word of God, who is not put on the full armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, the sword, which is the word of God, the spirit, and is not ready at all to share the good news, get pounced on. And therefore, that's why a lot of us don't have peace. A lot of us are getting swallowed up by anxiety. We're falling to depression. Do you know that the closer we are to the shepherd, the less we have with any of those issues. Jesus takes it all the way. Remember he says, yo, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Cast your burden upon me for I care for you. Where'd you get that from, Josh? The Bible. <laughs> the word of God, right? I haven't made any of this stuff up. But let's be real. The problem is we're not close to the shepherd. We're chilling in green pastures. I don't know where he is. Somewhere around here. I don't know, Right? And then we get pounced on by the enemy. And remember, his only objective is to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't want to just take jabs at you. He wants to completely obliterate your relationship with the Lord, render you ineffective for the kingdom. And if the least he can do is have you not use your gifts. Right? Quiet. Have you not use your gifts. Some of his tactics. Today it's through lust, pornography untamed passions. Look, as powerful as David, wise as Solomon, strong as Samson, all of them fell to sexual immorality. All of them. He uses drugs, alcohol, lovers of pleasure rather than loving of God. Anxiety, depression, discouragement, and doubt are all tactics of the enemy that he uses to kill, steal, and destroy. Also, the more subtle things, demonic distractions, Work, sports, TV, video games, electronics, laziness, confusion, and ignorance of God's word. We don't study it. We don't read the word of God. I'd rather let Josh or Pastor Dave study and tell me what it's about, right? They can tell me what it is, but I'm not studying that much. That's too much, right? So I want to encourage you guys. There is nothing more satisfying than meditating on the word of God and spending time with him. There's a reason why Jesus said, come learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Whenever your heart is troubled, return back to the shepherd. Tim B says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so he's contrasting the thief and the robber kill, steal, and destroy. I've come so that you may have life in abundance. It means superior, extraordinary, surpassing, uncommon. What does that look like? You see, Jesus says, I've come to give, not take. I've come to give eternal life, peace, joy, hope, the Holy Spirit amongst other things. As I've always said, true love gives and doesn't take. It's a life surrendered over to the will of the Lord. The psalmist said, I delight to do thy will, O God, that laws within my heart. 
It's a life of one who is using the gifts that the Lord has given them and basking in the joy that comes from being obedient. It's the attitude of to live is Christ, to die is gain. It's rooted in if Christ be anything, he must be everything. It's being fully satisfied with the Lord Jesus and all that he is. See, Paul says, the love of Christ compels me. That was an example of someone who was fully surrendered over to the Lord, the apostle Paul. In our lives, we're gonna have shepherds and thieves. We can diagnose them by the pattern Jesus sets forth for us. Shepherds lead out and in, they protect, they care about the sheep, they feed, they tend, they spend time with the sheep, and then they're available for the sheep. I can't count how many times I'm up late studying, I'll get a text two in the morning from somebody. I need prayer, can you pray for me? Are you available to talk? All right, I'm up already, all right, okay, amen. Sometimes three in the morning, Pastor David texts me, I'll text him, we're praying for people. That, three in the morning? How many of you guys up at three in the morning? If you are, what are you doing? What are you doing? Huh? Okay, amen, all right. That old song, the freaks come out at night, right? Stay in your house, okay, amen? <laughs> so look, Jesus told Peter to feed my lambs, tend to my lambs, feed my sheep. And then Peter wrote this in his epistle, 1 Peter 5, 2 and 4, shepherd the flock of God, which is among you serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when your chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. What a glorious truth. In Jesus, we have joy, we have peace, we have wisdom, we have forgiveness, we have an inheritance, we have the Holy Spirit, The thief doesn't care about the sheep. Focus on fleshly desires, tend to take rather than give. They empower you to live for yourself and not for the Lord. Verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. Another I am statement. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So this is I am statement number four. So we did three and four. He says, I am the good shepherd. Now you guys know, Bible says there's no one good, no, not one. And he says, the only one who's good is God. This is why King David boasted in Psalm 23 that the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. This is the same servant leadership of under shepherds in the church. We embrace the sacrifice of time, helping to carry burdens, late night counseling, being available and attentive. The religious system doesn't offer that. What can you do for me? Matter of fact, what have you done for me lately? It's what every religious system presents. Have you knocked on enough doors? Have you prayed to enough saints? Have you offered enough incense? Have you climbed enough stairs? Is there anything else I must do? See, many people are so busy trying to build a bridge to try to get to God. And I think back in the Old Testament, you guys remember uh, Jacob? He had a dream. Who remembers his dream? He had a dream about this ladder that went all the way to heaven. And he said, surely God was in this place and I did not know it. And before that, we didn't really know what that meant. And then we get to the gospel of John and we see what it truly meant. And he tells Nathaniel, you marvel because I saw you over there. He said, you will see greater things when you see the angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Guess what? Jesus is the ladder. He's the only way to get to the father. If you're gonna climb anything, climb that. Amen? That's how we get there, Jesus as a ladder. 
from a three, threefold vantage point of our relationship with our shepherd. As the good shepherd, he gives his life for the sheep. That's him dying. As the great shepherd, he empowers the sheep to live holy lives, the fruit of his resurrection and ascension, the Holy Spirit. As the chief shepherd, he will come again in glory and reward his sheep, 1 Peter 5 and 4. An acronym for gospel, God offers sinners eternal life. This is the gospel. This can only come from the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I ask you guys something? Who else is willing to die for you besides the American soldier, but they're sinners too, so that won't count, right? Who else has died for you? Name one person in any other religious system. Name another, anyone else who's qualified to do that. Why would we go anywhere else? I love Peter, the what he said, and it resonates with me every day I think about it. When Jesus told his disciples that if you don't eat of my flesh and drink of my blood, you have no life in you, they said, whoa, that is a hard saying. Who can receive it? And it said they walked with him no more. His disciples, the close ones, the 12, next to him, he turned to them and said, will you also go away? And Peter said, Lord, where else will we go? Only you have the words to everlasting life. This is that Jesus that offers that. Saints, who are we living for? I would say it depends on who's your shepherd. I love Paul in 2 Corinthians 5. He says that he died for all, that all, all who live would no longer live for themselves, but he, for he who died for them and rose again. That should be the sheep's heart. Amen? Speed it up. Our outline. Jesus come to give us an abundant life, love, joy, peace, forgiveness. Saints, we should not be walking around with frown faces. You're going to heaven. It hasn't changed. Amen. You're heaven bound. If you ever forget that, you'll be earth stuck. I'm not trying to be earth stuck. So I always have heaven on my mind and my mind on heaven, right? That's some truth for you to take home right there. Always set our affection on the things that are above. Jesus cares for us. He knows us, protects us. A hireling only cares about what they can get from us and what we can do for them. That's what religion does. It sucks the life out of you, literally. Amen? 12, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. So he's simply giving the imagery again, like a true shepherd is not going to allow the wolf to attack the sheep. You guys remember King David when he showed up on the scene, the milk boy? They're like, man, get out of here, man. He's your milk boy. What are you doing? He's like, no, 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 hold on now. I was, when I was back there with the sheep, I, I took bears. I, I removed sheep out of bears' mouths and lions. I fought lions for the bears. That is a true shepherd, right? Other shepherds, they see, they see danger coming. I'm out of here, the hirelings, because they're only there for the money. They're only there for what they can get. So Jesus is driving this point home that this was the condition of the religious leaders. And sadly today, it's still going on. You have pastors that are buying $25, $30 million jets, needing helicopters, having their names on banners. That is not the heart of a shepherd. That is not the heart of a servant. If you guys come across that, you need to put on your track shoes and run. Get away from that. That is not a true shepherd. That's a hireling. 13, the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. The pinnacle of this portion is own and care. If we own something, we typically take care of it. Like I tell my kids, when you have to pay for it, you'll care more about it. As long as you're using stuff we pay for, you're throwing it all over the place. 
But when you use your money, it seems like you care a little bit more about it. Yet, like I said before, whatever we don't value, we minimize. And we need to value our relationship with the Lord. So a hireling, it means hired help, like I said before. You work for pay, not for love, but the shepherd works for love and not for pay. And that's how we know. I heard uh, Pastor Chuck Smith, late in his years, people were telling him, his kids were telling him, why don't you just retire? Why don't you just be done, you know? And he's like, well, I, I basically donate half my salary back to the church, right? And they're telling him, why don't you just retire and be done? He's all, what else would I do? He goes, I love this. Even if I didn't get paid, I'd be right here, even though you guys didn't know that. That is the heart of a true shepherd. Here's the heart. What else would I do? Because this is my calling. Pastor Doug could attest, we often sit back after youth group and we couldn't imagine what else would we be doing besides serving the people of God. Right, Doug? What else would we do? You, this is our life. That's the calling of a shepherd. Look, I didn't just wake up one day and turn it on. Hey, I want, it, that's what the Lord put on us. Sometimes I wish I could run from it, but I can't, right? I tried, <laughs> and I always end up back here. So good luck, right? When I was younger, I remember I had a dog that I loved, and she would often get out of the yard, roam around blocks away, but she would always come back because we're feeding her, right? We take care of her. One day she didn't come back. I remember we were super sad, and I kid you not, it was almost an entire year. And I ended up finding out our neighbor around the corner came and seduced her, was giving her food, probably put a little bit of wet food in there, some meat and some, you know, some pork chops or something, petting her and just seducing her. I'm like, oh, that's our dog right there. So we went over there, and of course, she recognized the voice, of course. And the lady comes out and says, what are you doing? I said, that's our dog. You stole our dog. She's like, that's not your dog. And she basically made us pay to get our own dog back, right? But she couldn't deny that that dog knew us and belonged to us. Well, see, that lady was like the false shepherds. Is they pet you, they'll feed you what you want to hear, they'll, they'll seduce you into thinking that they're the shepherd. But guess what? If you're a true sheep, you won't remain there long because you always, always hear the shepherd's voice. Does that make sense? Amen. Verse 14. He says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known and am known by my own. See, again, this, this goes back to the nature of relationship. I remember I had a self-proclaimed pastor and I don't believe it's a pastor after what he said. He said, show me in the Bible where it says we're to have a relationship with the Lord. I'm like, bro, have you read the Bible? Like, have you opened it up? <laughs> like, I don't even know what you're reading if you say that. So, of course, I take him to the Gospel of John. How about, let's try John 17, 3, for instance. Uh, this is eternal life that they may know me, right? And he still continued to refute the fact that is. He said, it's just about the kingdom. Build the kingdom. So how are you going to be a part of a kingdom of a king you don't know? Riddle me that, Batman, right? But again, this goes to show you he wasn't a true sheep. He was a hireling. He just wanted to entice people with this mindset and a false ideology. Saints, we must be lovers of truth. It is about relationship, not religionship. To know and to be known, become acquainted with by experience and time spent together. Jesus is the good shepherd. The disciples spent three years with Jesus. The apostle Paul spent three years in Arabia learning from Jesus. The more time we spend with him, the more we love him. Verse 15, as the father knows me, even so I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. 
So Jesus now uses the imagery of the father's relationship in his as an example of how we are with the shepherd. As Jesus and the father are one, he says, we are one with the shepherd. He calls God his father, making him equal with God. Again, for those people who say, show me the Bible where Jesus says he's God right here. Okay. And many, 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 many more. Making himself equal with God. For context, Matthew eleven twenty seven 27 says, all things have been entrusted to me by my father. No one knows the son except the father and no one knows the father except the son and those whom the son chooses to reveal. One of my favorite scriptures, Isaiah 53 says, we like a lamb led, he like a lamb led to the slaughter and that the chastisement that brought us peace was put upon him and by his stripes, we are healed. That is a true shepherd. Jesus not only died for the sheep, but he died as the sheep, as a lamb led to the slaughter. Romans 5 tells us that scarcely for a righteous man would one die. And for a good man, would one even dare to die. But that God demonstrated his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Try that the next time you feel unloved. Try that the next time the enemy tells you you're worthless. Next time he's in your, in your ear speaking to you things that are not of God. Cast that down and give them that word right there. I was told, and there's nothing new under the sun, of course, that make sure you have a mountain of scripture for Satan to climb over to get to you. Most of us just have molehills. Stack that mountain up, right? Meditate on the word of God day and night. Last two verses. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and they will be one flock and one shepherd. I'll take you one guess the Gentiles. It wasn't just Judaism, but remember, uh, he told Abraham and your seed, not just one nation, but all nations would be blessed. For context, Ephesians 2.14 says, for he himself is our peace who has made both one, Jew and Gentile, and have broken down the middle wall of separation. Religion is man's attempt. The gospel is God's plan. There's only one true shepherd, one true fold, and that is Christianity. No Jews in heaven, no Gentiles in heaven, only children of God. Amen? So you're either a saint or you ain't. You're born again or you're not. You're lost or you're found. You're blind or you see. There's no in-between. Does that make sense? No in-between. For context, we'll, we'll finish up here. Ezekiel 37, 23 says, I will appoint over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he will feed them. My servant Dave will be king over them and there will be one shepherd for all of them. They will follow my ordinances and keep and observe my statutes. We are all one in Christ. See, that's why, how else can you have people from all different backgrounds, all different ethnicities, all different walks of life be united as one? You ready? The Lord Jesus Christ. He is what unites every single one of us. He is the answer to every single problem. True story. I had someone at, at work, and Craig knows, that actually filed a lawsuit against us. And this is literally in the actual paperwork. Said, for some reason, Josh thinks every problem can be solved by a Bible verse. <laughs> I think that might have been the only true statement in that whole document. <laughs> but the truth of the matter is, we have all the answers right here. He said, I've given you everything that pertains to life and godliness in the word of God. Look no further. The shepherd, he's there.
Amen? All right, I'll read through these quick. Therefore, my father loves me because I laid down my life for the sheep. That's the death. That I may take it up again. That's the resurrection. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. That is the willingness. Remember, they didn't, they didn't arrest Jesus. Jesus arrested them. He could have at any time gone off of the cross. He says, I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to take it up again. This command I received from my father. Jesus laid down his life. No one forced Jesus to die for us. And we find out later in Hebrews that it says, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Give me one other person that would do that for you. Nobody. Jesus is the true shepherd. None of the false religions, none of the false cliques, ideologies, or philosophies, sorry, philosophies. Um, only Jesus is the one. The love the shepherd has for his sheep is seen in the love the father has for his son. It's been said that the wisdom of God has ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us out of the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God. Verse 19, therefore there was a division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and he's mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of a blind? Again, referring to the blind man. Jesus bought us with his life. The hireling wants us to give our lives to them. Hirelings build walls between man and God, and Jesus tears down walls between man and God. And you guys do know, Jesus said, I come not to bring peace, but division and division between truth and error. If you guys really are truly serving the Lord, there's going to be division for those who are not truly serving the Lord. That's why he says, count the cost to follow Christ. Amen? I just skipped a verse, did I? Okay, line by line here. I want to make sure. Okay, amen. All right, so in review, an illustration of our relationship with Jesus. The Bible gives us many, but this is probably the most common one, the relationship of a sheep and a shepherd. And first and foremost, Jesus is the true shepherd. There's no one else. Uh, he's the only qualified one to be a savior. He knows us by name before we even know him. And he calls us to have a relationship with him, not a relationship. He always leads the way and we can trust him. How many of us, be honest, how many of us here have trust issues? Let's be real. Some of that trust issues, right? Jesus hasn't given you any reason not to trust him, okay? Somebody, other people have, we'll give you that, but Jesus hasn't given you any reason not to trust him. So you need to trust him, all right? Secondly, Jesus as the good shepherd, the contrast. He's the door, Satan's kill, deal, kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus cares. Satan doesn't. It's the bottom line. So the next time he's whispering in your ear, God, nobody cares about you. You're worthless, right? Right here. Actually, I'm to die for. Right here in the word. It says it right here, right? Because see, when you're, when you're filled with God's word, you can cast down the lies of the enemy, right? Let us pray. Worship team, you guys come on up. Father, we thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you truly are the good shepherd. You're the door. You're the reason we live and move and have our being. Lord, we love you so much, and we thank you for your grace. We thank you for such a great salvation. And Lord, we just thank you that we get to have a relationship with you, that we get to know you, the one true God, and your son whom you have sent. Lord, if there's anyone in here today that does not know you, that does not have a relationship with you, that does not hear your voice, because behold, you stand at the door and you knock. And you said, if anyone opens up, you will come in and you will dine with them. 
and they with you. And Lord, we can't wait, but your word says that whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And that if we confess with our mouth, the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. So if there's anyone in here today, Lord, I pray that they would confess you as Lord, that they would throw themselves upon your mercy because your word says you're rich in mercy and that they would have life everlasting and they would be with you in heaven forevermore. Lord, be a pastor Dave and his family. We thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word for it truly is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In Jesus' holy name we pray. And the saints said...